Welcome to the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsley, your host, and we're here for part three of our in-depth team previews for the 2018 season. And as per part one and part two, I'm joined here with Billy on the other end of the line. How are you doing today, Billy? Good fine, yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Just a nice uh, sunny afternoon here in Sydney. Looking forward to uh, watching the Warriors trial, actually, on um, Fox Sports at the moment, and I'll hit that up a bit later. Yeah, I'm watching Fox 2, racing channel. <laughs> All right, well, let's get stuck straight into it because we are going in depth. These ones do take a while. So we'll move on to the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs to kick us off today. These guys have a fair few, actually, um, fairly big gains and also losses for the 2018 season as far as players go. So main gains, I think the big one that everyone has talked about quite a bit is Aaron Woods coming over from the West Tigers. Uh, he's a pretty big one for them. The other one is obviously Kieran Foran as well from the New Zealand Warriors. And to a lesser extent, but still probably going to be in the 17, we've got Farmanu Brown from the Cronulla Sharks. And then everyone else is reasonably insignificant. But a few pretty big ones there. And losses-wise, uh, a couple of big losses as well, actually. So James Graham off to St. George Illawarra Dragons. Sam Cassiano off to the Storm. Both those guys going is going to open up quite a bit in their pack, although I guess Woods is a straight swap for Graham. Bit of backline depth gone as well with uh, Branko Lee going over the Gold Coast, although he stopped playing midway through the year. I think he um, put up some pretty good stats before that. And then some of the lesser knowns as well in the backline. But the big backline mover was Josh Reynolds. A lot of Bulldogs fans not too happy about that one, but he's gone over to the West Tigers, so he's gone out of the halves there, replaced by Kieran Foran, basically. So, fair few shuffles around player-wise. The other big one is obviously uh, Desi Hasler getting the flick and Dean Pay coming in to coach the Dogs for 2018, so it should be a pretty different style. So, let's open up, Billy, with, I guess... I'm just going to touch on the style a little bit and then we'll go into the players. One of the things that I'm kind of looking forward to with the Dogs for 2018 is uh, I think Desi is a good coach myself. I actually really like Des, but um, I think things got a bit stale and a lot of super coaches have moaned about his style for a few years now and the non-attack happening. Dean Pay, I loved him as a player. He was one of those hard guys that also loved to offload too. So he was a bit more of a offloading type forward and I do kind of see with some of the structures and things that they've spoken about that it's going to change a little bit and there's going to be more attack injected into there. Do you see the swapping coaches, Billy, changing much of the super coach outlook for these guys? No, not at all. In saying that though, there is a bit of interest, probably not too much for myself, but you've got to look at the 1, 8, 9, 11, 13, I think. Um, Moses going the fullback and kicking goals. There's probably more attack stats there. Um, maybe there's the left edge opens up with someone getting more, more minutes. Who knows? Maybe a Mariner or Elliot. Maybe even Elliot going, like Clemmer going up to probably maybe a you know, 60 minute sort of guy at 13, possibly. You're looking at maybe a 60 minute would say, so look at his output. Does he improve there? And obviously, Leica getting a bit more of a license. Those are, those are the only sorts of guys I'm interested in. But as for the style of play, um, I don't think the minutes change too much. Maybe they're a bit more attacking, but yeah, probably a wait and see for me. But there's uh, a lot of stuff to talk about here. Yeah, there is. Um, I'm actually kind of excited a little bit about the dogs um, for real life, but also for fantasy. I think the the key change is really you hit it on Moses Embai goes to fullback. Will Hopperardi goes into the centres. New halves pairing of four and, and probably Frawley is at the moment the uh, projected team. The, the forwards look quite different so the projections around about at the moment are starting props of Woods and David Clemmer with Lysha obviously at nine Josh Jackson and Fatala Mariner as the starting back rowers and Adam Elliott at lock projected bench at the moment is quite interesting a, a couple of projected benches anyway have Farmer Brown Greg Eastwood Denny Falalo and Aidan Tolman on the bench which is quite a big one Obviously, these are just projections. Some of them have changed around a little bit with Tolman starting or, or different things happening. But um, particularly, some of those back row rotations look really interesting. So let's let's start off talking a bit about that, Billy. I'm going to hit on probably the only guy that's a genuine gun in the whole side. And we can have a bit of chat about him. Aaron Woods coming across. 
a lot of guys are pretty big on on Aaron Woods because of his finish in the Tigers back end of last season. I mean, he was playing some pretty big minutes as well. Busted out a few fair few 70 minute type games and he was actually rolling pretty well with that offload that we hadn't seen for probably a couple of years. Have you got Aaron Woods in your side or are you thinking about him? I was thinking about him. I did have him in the first draft but he hasn't been in for a while. Looking at the end the end of last year, that's probably the only reason I had him in there, but he was still playing 60 minutes. He's probably more of a meat and potatoes type guy, like he hits the line with that shoulder turn, come around, comes around, offloads again. But I didn't really see too much value in him. I was only having him there because he was maybe maybe five or six points under price, but he's not going to go from a 60 average to a 70 or a 75, in my opinion, so decided to leave him out. Yeah, I'm pretty much in the same boat and agree with you. I can see the interest, though, because, I mean, if you break down the stats, looking at the whole season, it, it was good, but without being phenomenal. So, I mean, he's priced at a 63. The last few years before that, I mean, he had a 61, a 59, a 61. So, he actually outperformed the three years before, but I'm pretty sure at about that midway point of the season, he wasn't hitting a 63 average. He was actually a, a bit below, maybe even around 60 or a bit below even. And you've got to think about it too. I mean, if he was going to, I don't know, a Storm or a, a, a Chooks, like you're playing 60 minutes and there was more chance of him making uh, more metres in the opposition, sort of 50, and was able to turn the ball into someone else who was chucking it to someone like a Tedesco, yeah, maybe you might see a bit more value with that sort of offload, getting, getting some more stats there. But he's gone from being a, you know, the number one prop at the Tigers to the number one prop at the Dogs, where they're, they're for the last sort of 30, 40 years, they've been known as just having a massive pack. So, I mean, even if he gets sort of 60 minutes, I mean, you can't see, see him getting the ball just as much as he was at the Tigers. I mean, you've got another meat and potato, Tolman, there as well. So, it's him and him and Tolman and probably Clemmer just taking the ball up in rotation. Look, I, I just can't see too much extra value in him at all. Yeah, no, I. I completely agree. I am going to do a devil's advocate thing here, though, where even though I agree with you and I don't have him in my side and I'm not going to, looking at it from the other side of the coin, there is a couple of things that do stand out that I did look at and consider. So I can see why some guys are looking at him. And those couple of things are, I think that he became a meat and potatoes guy the last few years, but when he came onto the scene, he did so on his work rate, but also he had a really good offload happening which could create some attack here and there. And I I think it might be the 2013 season where he actually um, went real well with the offload and to a lesser extent the going on to the 14, but then it sort of went away and got tucked away um, and they played a bit more conservative. And then we saw it come out last year. So he does have that little bit of extra on the meat and potato style there that could come through at the dogs, especially if Dean Pay is wanting them to offload. Probably the only other thing that I will mention... I, I do kind of agree with you. I don't I don't see a huge amount of upside with his score. He did average a 63, which is pretty good anyway, and that's what he's priced at. 557K is quite a bit to invest in Aaron Woods. But devil's advocate side, his average minutes last year were 58. He does have the ability to play bigger minutes because we saw that playing 70-minute um, games towards the back end of the Tigers season. Looking at this predicted team, if we have Farmer Brown on the bench... And then Falolo isn't going to play big minutes at all. And then you've basically got Tolman and Eastwood. And with Tolman also having the ability to maybe even go to the lock or even the back row as per Eastwood as well, both those guys could probably play a little bit of edge and middle. Maybe there is room for him to have a few extra minutes. So if he were to get to 65 minutes a game, that's seven minutes more than what he was doing on average last year. His PPM has always been over one, always. So... Yeah, not not much though. Change just good around there. Yeah, it's always been between one point zero five and one point zero eight, but it has been incredibly consistent actually. So I mean, you can yeah. you can bank on it being you know seven minutes being seven points a game with how he plays. So that's sixty three yeah, goes to seventy. Yeah, I can see that. I can see guys being in, why they're interested though. But I think for both of us, he's a he's a wait and see at a minimum. So we'll move on. Yeah, and before we move on, I, I, I kind of carved up Croker a bit on the, on the last podcast. I said I can't respect a center three quarter who wears, you know, headgear. But on the same token, mate, I can't respect a four who wears a tiara. So, <laughs> no. 
Yeah, well, I don't. I think he's going to have to play a lot harder this year to get rid of the moniker of Sharon that he's that he's gotten in the last couple of years. That's for sure. So the next guy that we'll talk about, the Bulldogs are obviously pretty short on on genuine guns. So we're going to have to talk about a few other guys. I got a um, a bit of a left field guy that I want to talk about in the pack, and I'm not going to say he's a big balls pod because I think that it completely makes sense. And that is my man, Fatala Mariner, who at the moment is penciled in as one of the starting back rowers. Uh, have you looked at Fatala Mariner and are you having him in your team at the moment? No, he's not my team. I just want to have a look at um, final lists. I'm not mucking around with my team anymore. I'm getting RSI from moving that thumb back because I've always played on the phone. <laughs> um, I think uh, I wasn't looking at him at all until... Um, uh, some of the boys mentioned he's been training on the edge and he might get a spot there. I did have a quick look at the stats and I can't re- remember what they were. But um, Let me go over the stats for you. I'll go over the stats for you okay. now. So, Vitala Mariner, last year his average minutes per game were 37 for a 35 score on average. Yep. Year before he was a th- average score of 30 and 33 minutes. Year before that, he was getting 54 minutes at a 39 average. So what position, but- uh, look, it's mainly been it's it's been in the forwards really. I think that he might have filled in a few times here and there, but last year he was playing in the forwards basically on an edge coming in. So I think that his point nine four is a his point nine ppm is probably around about right. But yeah, he was only doing thirty five minutes last year. Even if you're absolutely brutal and you take point three off his ppm and he goes down to you know. A point six five or something. Point six five of you know, let's say eighty minutes on, on the left edge. He's still going to get you know a fifty five type average off it, and he's priced what thirty three or something forty. I don't know what, what's his what's his price. He's priced at an average of thirty five, which is three hundred ten thousand six hundred. Oh, look, even if you only play 60, 60, 65 minutes on the edge, you're going to make money off him. It just depends on whether you want him in your, in your starting team or and or, or whether you want to put him on a bench and you're willing to have that sort of money tied up and someone doesn't make him coin and he's your backup. So definitely an option. Wouldn't wouldn't go against anyone doing it, but yeah, probably has a bit of a tough run. They, they play Dogs first, don't they? Sorry, uh, sorry, they play Storm first? Yeah, that's right. So yeah, it is actually a tough first couple of weeks for them. They've got the Storm and then the Roosters, the two um, premiership heavyweights. does soften yeah, up after that, but yeah. yeah. I mean, it does soften up after that, but then it goes... Um, it goes a bit harder again, so I don't. The, the dog's draw is a bit of, it's a bit all over the shop type of draw. I don't think that you can use a draw to get anybody. But um, like I think you were saying, as a really really good point in our last pod, you were mentioning that you you discount the draw a little bit when it's talking about Fords, and you know. So I'm I'm on the same boat. I've, I'll discount the draw a little bit. I don't mind as much because he is going to be in the pack anyway. For me, I, I think that you hit the nail on the head. I've got him in my team at the moment. He's actually someone who I think is a lot better value and a lot less risk than some of the other guys being thrown around in that 300 to 400k range, mainly because of what the point that you brought up. Even if he were to get 60 minutes, he's still going to make a lot of cash and he's still going to score maybe 50-odd. So if he gets 80 minutes, you know he's he's got the potential to, to even get to you know, a 60-odd mark with how he plays. And, you know, his style of play I've really liked. Seeing him early on in his career and also the when he went over to the Dogs, I actually had pretty big wraps on him. He's got a good offload and he can run a bit of a muck down that down that side of the field running on an edge. And he can make some tackle breaks and even get some attacking stats there as well. And his offload is really the key and he does that quite well. So him across 80 minutes is, is gold. For me, you know, three hundred ten thousand, and for me the floor, and that's kind of always what I look at. I'm looking at what the ceiling is, what I think is going to be the max that I can get out of someone, and I want that to be obviously really high. So if I hit on them, I really hit big time. But then the other important thing is obviously the floor because it's great to have a guy that might be able to give you, you know, seventy five points. But if every second game he's giving you twenty five points, then you know maybe you're better off taking a guy that's going to give you sixty five every week. So he's four for me at that price. Maybe he only hits fifty something points, and that's fine. And even if he only gets sixty minutes, that's fine as well. He's still going to make a good amount of cash and be an end of the bench type jumper sixteen seventeen guy. I think for the first few rounds at least. Yeah, even even if you have four forwards on the bench, starting second row, you think at least. 
until we get fit, uh, sort of 60 minutes. So you're probably looking at a 50 average. The only thing you're just going to um, think, take into, into the equation is, you know, Alicia is going to be, what, 80 minutes. Um, Woods is going to be 60 minutes. What's his, uh, Clemens is going to be 60 minutes. Tolman's always played around sort of 60 minutes. Jackson, he's going to play 80. So the dogs have a lot of high minute forwards in there. It's not like a lot of the other teams where they have 45 and 35 minute rotations. So uh, they've got a lot they can get around there. So you just got to hope that he gets that minimum 60. But I'll probably go, I reckon. Yeah, it's a really good point with the minutes. And I guess looking at the flip side of um, not having him, Josh Jackson isn't going to get less minutes in that back row rotation. He's going to play 80 minutes in that 11 jumper. Um, so certainly there's that concern that if Jackson and Elliot, who I know the dogs really rate, are in the 11 and 13 jumper and they want to rotate one of the back rowers, it is going to be Fatala Mariner who rotates with someone on the bench. So, yeah, there is that yeah, concern. Sure. Probably, uh, though, Tolman for me isn't going to be really much of a... There's, there's been a couple of things come out in the last couple of days. I even saw an article today that they're shopping Tolman again and they ne- they want to clear him off their salary cap before they even kick off the season. So that's come out in a couple of places and it, it hasn't been the first time we've heard that. And with him penciled in for, on a couple of sites in jumpers 17, um, I don't think he's going to be getting the minutes that he was before either. So I think that they've basically said that he's going to be a casualty as far as how many minutes drop he's going to have compared to everyone else. Mate, if that's the case, Storm will sign him back next year half the price. Yeah, and you'll probably, you know, win the uh, win the Players' Player Award in the grand final and go on to glory and reinvent his career and do all that stuff that everyone does when they run over to the Storm. But we'll wait and see. All right, well, he's in my side. I think he's a great buy for 310000 Billy, you can see the value in him as well. He's also a guy that I think will fly under the radar too, where a lot of people won't look at him. They'll fancy other guys a little bit more. Especially when you got guys like yeah, you know, Arrow is a popular pick at the Titans and um, even Latu as well. And this guy's probably got more potential than them as far as the minutes and opportunity goes as well. So I think he fits in the pay system perfect. And I'm actually pretty excited to have him. He's one of those guys that's a bit under the radar for me and I like it. So let's move on. You touched on this, Billy, but um, potential pod. And I'm not going to even put the BBP tag on this guy because... You know, I think there's a lot of reasons why someone might um, throw him in. Um, Moses Embi has pretty much been the quintessential roller coaster of a player. He's had some, you know, 100 scores. I remember, I think the year before last, I remember he was all the rage and, you know, guys were captaining him, captaining him and he was going on 100-point runs. I remember captaining him after a 120-point run and he scored nine points. And that really, really killed me for a few weeks. So he's definitely the rocks or diamonds type. He's moved over to the fullback spot. Um, and he's likely got the goal kicking as well, um, which will give him a bit of extra. I do think he's a better running player than what he is an organisational half. And that pressure off him might help him. But uh, yeah, Moses Embi, are you seeing his outlook as improving and maybe being an option? Yeah, don't feel too bad about that year, mate. I think that was the Chinese year of the sheep. Everyone jumped on him off that sort of 120, whatever it was, because he had to buy a cover. Um, yeah. Me. <laughs> no, I just couldn't afford it. <laughs> no, I, um, I know what you're saying, but I think um, this year his um, his draw would be the killer for me. He does have a lot of potential upside with maybe running a bit more, playing both sides of the field and golf kicking, but... Yeah, how much goal kicking do you think he's going to do playing uh, the Storm and, and Chooks, that type of run? I think I'll just sit back and watch him. He's not exactly bottom dollar. He is reasonably cheap, but yeah, when every single dollar counts. And I think the fact that he's available in key positions, fullback and half, where you've got Croker, you've got Watson, you've got Ponga, you've got Teddy, you've got JT, I, I just can't fit him in. If he was if he was available with the forwards eight or ten, yeah, chuck him there. But he's just in a position I don't want to. I don't want to have him. That's all. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, he's um he's priced at three hundred eighty-two thousand. So, like you said, it's not it's not bottom dollar at all. But you know, it's it's reasonably value if he can do what he did in twenty sixteen. In twenty sixteen, he averaged fifty nine a game. In twenty seventeen, he averaged forty three a game. In what was a really bad year for everyone that had a dog's jersey on, really. So you may maybe he can get back. Towards that 59 average at fullback, especially kicking goals, you'd think that he would. 
but and you can lift beyond that. Uh, take the first six or seven games out of the equation once he finds his feet. I reckon you'll um, I reckon you'll be around the, the same sort of price and be a great sort of pickup after that. Because you got to remember, a guy in the seven jet, uh, apart from a couple of halves, he isn't sort of taking on on the line. He's just passing well before it, so he's not getting any of those hit up tight runs or a couple t- or a couple TVs or offload here and there. I think you'll find a lot of those sort of. Stats will start filling up his rap sheet sooner or later, but yeah, I just can't see him goal kicking many in the in the short term. But I think he'll be a sneaky pick up round sort of eight or nine, I reckon. Yeah, I um I tend to agree, and I think that's a great good, strategy. Yeah. Good strategy might be to wait till um Watson peaks and then jump on jump on Moses if he has a couple of good runs and a decent big. Yeah, I think the problem though with that is how their draw actually works out. Because I actually thought about doing exactly the same thing. If you were to grab him for round eight, you're going to hit Penrith, and then they're going to hit the Broncos at Suncorp, which isn't the best for them, followed by the Eels and Sharks. Then you get a great run against the West Tigers in round 12, but then the Dogs actually have the first buy for round 13. And Yeah, I I don't know about you, but that's that's always something I think about when um, I'm putting my round one side together. If there's a guy that I'm thinking, you know, maybe I want to get him around round seven or eight, if they have that first buy, I I have to take that thinking out of the equation for my round one side and how I'm planning because I don't want to trade someone in for three or four weeks if they're going to have a buy. I tend just to not like doing that and would rather wait until the round 14 because I always know if I plan for seven or eight to trade, say, an M buy in, I'm always going to have injuries or something else come up or a rookie come up that I need to buy and often it'll push to around nine to ten purchase and then you basically just have to throw the plan out the window because... Yeah, they've got that buy in round thirteen, so I'm I'm kind of the same as you, except I will admit something. I had him in my side for about a month, and it was because he was a dual position hooker, and I loved that. I um I was actually all over that, and I was really really happy to be able to have a goal kicking fullback at three hundred eighty two thousand as my hooker, and I thought that that was going to be great for there because for anyone who's not got Cameron Smith. I thought that that was a, a pretty good option to take a punt on. Obviously, once you know we hit that Australia Day period where the full release of Supercoach came out, they uh, kind of screwed us all, all the M by hooker owners, because they um, took that dual position away from him from hooker and made him halfback fullback. So, yeah, I would have really liked to have seen him at hooker, actually. Yeah, how un-Australian was that? <laughs> <laughs> Ruined my Australia Day weekend. Just killed it. Yeah, so I, I'm with you. I don't, I don't think you can do it, but... I, I do think that he'll be a really um, potential sneaky pod to have that could go on a bit of a run. Um, and I do like the dogs to improve the attack and stuff. So I think he's definitely watch. Don't do him for round one, but watch him and have a look at an opportune time to get him in. And, and like Billy said, a, a Connor Watson to a um, underpriced Moses Embiid that's going to go on a run. You could do worse than that, especially if it's going to be a guy that you can at that point of the season, pull in and out of your 17 based on matchups too. All right, so moving on from Moses Embi, let's talk hookers for the dogs because one guy that is being identified all over the place is Michael Leisha. So he obviously had a bit of a down year and really turned into a bit of a robotic tackle bot, as a lot of guys say, and didn't do much else, um, and he... Blame that on uh, Des Hasler, not letting him run the football or be his natural attack himself, which he, he did attack a lot and run a lot in the lower grades. So it was quite surprising to see how his game's progressed. But there seems to be some renewed interest that he's going to start running a little bit under Dean Pay. Are you Have you looked at Michael Leisha yet, or are you thinking about him? Yeah, yeah I looked at him. It's, dude, it's called the sickness. I've looked at everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but... but um. The guy who first had him a couple of years ago, when he when he when he played those three or four games for the Sharks before he got picked up by the Dogs. I mean, he got picked up by them for a reason because he was a very attacking player. Like when he was close to the line, he always, always went himself. That kind of got me excited. But when he went over to the Dogs, he just didn't show that same type of spark, and he's just been a meat and potatoes type tackler. He's been getting some decent minutes, but then he started rotating, so it kind of threw me off. I think the only glimmer of hope was the fact that the last couple of everyone's read that kind of article where he said to the rest of the guys, he's just going to play for his contract end of the last year and run. Saying, and he ran and produced some good super coach type scores. 
And so that's obviously sparked some interest in the fact that pay is openly set and you're going to let him run a bit more. That's kind of exciting. But uh, at his price, I kind of, it was either him or Cook, and I prefer Cook much better. So if Farah's not around, I'd, I'd take the Cook. But I'll tell you what, if um, if Farah ends up being in, in the side and it looks like there's going to be some type of rotation or Cook's not around, then I might, quite possibly might flick the switch and chuck Riker in. But it would be either uh, Riker, Cook, or jumping all the way down to Havili and pumping up elsewhere. Yep. Yeah, he's um he's definitely a he's definitely fighting out with Cook to be that second popular hooker option. Um that's for sure. I've got Cook at the moment. I did have Lysher in um initially and I kept changing between the two. It's probably gonna depend on Teamless Tuesday to see what the bench makeups are. Um my concern with Lysher is that he's Possibly, probably going to have Brown on the bench. And Brown has subbed in for Hooker before. And, you know, he. They were, I know at the Sharks, and I actually saw Flanagan down at the local pub near me going back a while ago now, and he was actually saying that, yeah, they they really want um, Farmer Brown to potentially even replace Gal when Gal moves on, so they want to start building his body up and playing him as a lock forward. And that never really eventuated. He probably doesn't have the size to do that too consistently in the back row. Probably for short bursts he can, but um, he's probably just shown that he's more of a half or or hooker option. That's a bit of a worry for me. I guess if they're going to have him on the bench, there's probably a good chance that he's going to spell Lysha, Um, or do you think that they might just throw him in at lock for 20 minutes and just have him as injury cover if a playmaker goes down? So do you think that he'll just... Do you think that he'll spell him... Question. I thought there was a statement. <laughs> no, question mark at the end. Do you think that where do you think that Brown will go off the bench if he's on the bench? Do you think that he's going to spell Lysha or do you think he's going to be just a twenty minute lock off the bench and then just cover the key positions if someone goes down? Honestly, mate, I have NFI. I if he's there, he'd be kind of a twenty minute emergency cover for any type of position. So could go anywhere. Could spell like Lysha for twenty minutes to give him give him a bit of a break if they're going all right. Um, mate, I, 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 I'm making an answer up. I, I couldn't tell you. I'm, I, I reckon he'll be there for cover, but yeah, watch the trials. Yep. So if he's there for cover, um, I think Leish is a really good buy. To throw in some stats to finish off on him, he had a poor year last year at a score of 41 average. Did that over 61 minutes a game, which was obviously down. The two years before are the things that are really interesting. So... 2016, 76 minutes a game for 53 points. 2015, 73 minutes a game for 52 points. So he is almost certainly, if Brown isn't spelling him, at least 10 points per game below where he's going to be at for 2018. To have somebody you know that's looking at a 20% minimum increase in output, that's pretty appealing. If Cook has a... I guess bench utility or Robbie Farah type named on the bench, then um, I think that I'll be switching over from Cook to Lysha straight away. And Lysha is actually a bit cheaper as well. So, The best thing you can probably do is have a look at the last two games of last year, count the runs he made in that that game, compare it to the runs in the rest of the game, have a look at the the last two trials. If he's playing playing 70, 80 minutes, have a look at the number of runs he makes there, compare that to... you know, the first three quarters of last year, and then, then say to yourself, okay, so he's making an extra five or six runs per game. How many of them H8 versus H1? And then go, all right, so he's likely to get maybe an extra six or seven or eight or nine points and then make a decision from there. Yep, and his attacking stats were, were woeful last year as well. So you'd expect with yeah, a no. di- different style that that's going to go up a little bit as well. So even if he only goes up slightly, yep. you know, even um, guys that add a couple of tries and line breaks to their yearly total, you're still looking at a couple of points a game up on what they did before. So, yeah, I think he's a really interesting one for 2018. I certainly um, think that he's an option. Another point, another point sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. He's, being a nine, he obviously would have played a lot closer with um, Moses before, uh, being sort of first receiver a lot of, a lot of plays. For... <laughs> 
Hopper, Hopper was at Hopper was at fullback previously, and he was dead set useless from an SE point of view. I mean, you you can never see him anywhere, never did anything. I think his first year didn't even score a try, almost last year. I don't know what he did. So for Moses to go to go to fullback, maybe him and Elisha form a bit more of a combo, and he's looking for a little grubber close to the line just to find Moses. A couple, I, I don't know. Put it this way, the moral of that story is it couldn't be anybody worse. I, I think. He has some upside to him, but how much? Yeah, that's the point you got to take. Yep. All right. Um, so let's move on a little bit. Let's have a look at somebody who I think is going to be um, a pretty big error. And I understand why guys are maybe looking at him a little bit. I've seen him in a few sides. Generally speaking, it's been, I guess, um, some of the more inexperienced super coaches that are going on name value. But Brett Morris is somebody who I'm going to put my red alert signal on. Do not pick him. Um, I've seen him around a little bit, and it's because he's so dirt cheap. I don't know about you, Billy, but Morris, when he was at the Dragons, and um, even when he first went over the Dogs, but particularly when he was at the Dragons, he used to be one of my supercoach favourites. Like The guy would make some great runs, and he was almost a little bit Mansour-like in that he had really good work, but he'd also offload a fair bit as well. And then you'd have those games fairly frequently where he'd score a double or even a hat-trick, and just blow tons out of the water for a few weeks. Like he was, he was phenomenal. Things have obviously fallen off a cliff for for Brett Morris. So, did you used to have him in your side in years past? Uh, yeah, I think I wrote a profile last year about him being a really good pickup around, I think seven or eight. And had a tough draw to the season. Then he played. Oh, it was oh, one of those Warriors Titans Knights Warriors type runs leading into the first buy and then playing the second buy. So. I read a profile on him being a good pick-up around then, that he stats versus those teams. But the year before, he was a really good pick-up, um, and I had him then purely because of the move from from wing to fullback. But A, he's not playing fullback anymore, is he? And B, um, not exactly in, in, the, in, a, in a side that's going to dominate and have wingers like um, you know, Vinavali. So given his age and his tackle-busting or speed, no, nah, just haven't even entertained him this year. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, look, let let me tell you about a rocks or diamonds profile. I can sum up all of uh, Brett Morris's value in about 30 seconds. His last three years, his low scores 5, 12, 10. His high scores 87, 94, 102. And most of his scores were closer to the 5, 12, and 10 than what they were, the 102, 94, and 87. So he's got a lot of real low dirt scores in him where you're better off with an AE of, with a bench forward that played 15 minutes. Like... Yeah, I, will. I don't think they're telling anyone at home that anything they didn't know. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, mate, I'm telling you, I've seen him in a few sides and I will spend 30 seconds on saying why. He's 338,000 and I think that that's one of the things. And I'll, I'll just say generally, and I know that me and you have spoken about this before, Billy, as well, just because a guy's really cheap um, or comparatively cheap to what they've done before, it doesn't mean that they're a great buy. It can very well mean that they're a terrible buy and they're going to keep being really bad. So, like, Brett Morris is a classic example. In years past, yeah. um, you know, he had a 38 last year, and somebody looking at the stats might say, oh, that's an anomaly because he was a 54, 59, 53 the years before. But it's not an anomaly. His game has digressed significantly. And even if there's attack in the dogs that goes up quite a bit, he's going to find himself in some great games. And that's why I put him, like, on a red alert because somebody after... Yeah, even against the Roosters, he could easily score a double against the Roosters on the wing and throw out 75 points or something. And guys are going to be looking at it and going, oh, maybe I'll buy Brent Morris. The next week, he'll probably score seven points. So you just you can't go near guys like that um, who are 31 years old playing on the wing for a side that's struggling to get some new attack cohesion. So, yeah, don't do it, guys. Everyone at home, stay away from Brent Morris. All right, Billy, so... <laughs> Uh, I'm going to talk. I, I will just quickly mention another guy that I think is an error, but um, I don't think you gave him quite as much justice as he deserved. My mate Hopper, who I uh, I actually loved Hopper when he went over to um, when he went over to the Dogs initially. You were right on his um, actual try scoring ability was way down, but he did actually have some games where he had ridiculously amazing work. It was sort of like. Roger Tuivasa's check, but without the scoring stats. Yeah, I remember, I think he had a game last year where he did like 28 hit-ups and scored like a gazillion in base. He scored a ton without scoring a try. He had a few of those sort of games. In the centres, he's going to do a lot more tackling and stuff, but 
he had a bit of a better year last year. I have actually was talking to a guy online a couple of days ago who was trying to sell me on, on Hopper because he's going into the centres and he's a good player and all this stuff. He's another one that I basically just say the same thing as Brett Morris. I don't think he's going to give you the super coach relevant stuff as well. But yeah, so why don't we move on from the dogs because I don't see too much value anywhere else in them. And no. let's move over to a side who... Um, could be pretty exciting in 2018. Uh, the Newcastle Knights. So, quick run through the gains and losses. Um, and there's been some, obviously, some really big ones. So, with the gains, probably the most high-profile one is going to be Mitchell Pearce um, going across. But also, you know, Connor Watson, Kalen Ponga, Sean Kenny Dow mid-season last year, Tautau Moga from the Bronx, Aidan Guerra, also, the late signing of Chris Hyington as well, Herman SASA from the Broncos, Slade Griffin from the Storm, Jacob Lillyman is over there now as well. There's a lot of guys that came in for them, and for what they lost, I mean, nobody's going to be able to captain Jalen Feeney again, unfortunately. He's he's left the club, but uh, Dane Gagai is probably the, the main guy that's gone. Most of the rest of the guys weren't really playing too much or were sort of you know in and out of the first grade team, so... A lot of guys that they've added in, how much better do you think the Knights are going to go for this year? A lot better. They've uh, recruited really well. I rate Gogo, he's a bloody good player, but a guy of that calibre and that price out on out wide in that team, that's just wasted money. I think they've actually spent that really well. They've got Ponga for was 800k, who's quite, that's a punt, but quite possibly going to be worth more than that. At least they've got a goal kicker out of him. Apart from Guerrero, who's over the hill and possibly Billyman, but they wouldn't have been paying him absolute premium. I mean, they already, they already had quality kids, young blokes coming through, like um, like that Barnett and that uh, um, Safidi are bloody good. Watson is uh, any other team apart from the Chooks, he probably would have been starting. So blokes like that, they've got Essie who's uh, point per minute and work rate. He's, I mean, he's a big bloke. But, They've got some good guys in the team, I reckon. And, and Pierce, I mean, I mean state, of, state of origin is number seven. Uh, you can't you can't look at that roster and tell me that that, that they've uh, recruited poorly, mate. Yeah, for sure. Oh, look, I've um, we've got a, a couple of mates that are big Knights fans, and um, I and they're pretty excited. And I actually think they've got a lot of reason to be. I'm 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 really excited for Knights fans. I think that they've they've built a really good side, and I really like Nathan Brown as well. I think he's matured a lot as a coach too. So let's let's start off with. Uh, that gun that you mentioned, Mitchell Pierce. A lot of people won't like me saying that he's a gun, but he has been pretty gunnish the last couple of years. Averages of 62 points in 2017 and 2016, 66 points. So pretty good. Um, he's priced at 548,000, halfback only position. I'll quickly do a bit of a rundown of the draw and then hand over to you for your assessment on Pierce Billy. But he starts off with Manly at home. And then he's away for Canberra and the Roosters. That Roosters game's a tough one, but it's going to be a big grudge match for him. So it's probably good to be on his draw early. Then the Dragons. Broncos Storm is a bit of a killer 5-6 at home and then away in Melbourne. But then he hits the West Tigers and Manly in 7-8 and eight, and then South in 9. So a bit of a mixed bag between the rounds 1 and 9. But if you kind of discount that Roosters game as being a good one for him to step up in, there's probably really only, you know, maybe the Dragons a win if they have a good year and definitely the Broncos and Storm in that middle. But the other three games either side of that are pretty decent matchups for Pierce. Yeah, I don't want to wait. I don't want to get him in my team to start with in that position and then have to wait for those games in order for him to gel and score. Like, he's absolutely no doubt the top dog in that team, but I'd be... He's not playing for the Roosters anymore. I, I can I can't see him scoring that same average. He's, he's still going to go really well, but at that look at that type of price and seventy other players on offer in that seven jersey, I haven't even looked at him at all. Definitely, definitely an option if you want a pod, but you're probably going to. I would advise you to look at the stats and count how many tons the bucks had because you would only be buying them if you're going to BC or C. So definitely, definitely, definitely a BBP. Big balls Sorry, pod, big balls pod. You reckon? <laughs> I've only had one beer and I had to think about it. <laughs> well, I don't see him as that much of a, a big balls pod, but he's definitely he's definitely going to be a big pod. And at that know, price, I reckon he is. 
Oh, for sure. I mean, look, he is priced at a 62 average. So, I mean, look, he is expensive. But he's also a guy that nobody seems to like except for me because I'm a Roosters fan. So, that sort of shies people away from some players as well. I mean, that's something with, with uh, Aaron Woods that is going to prevent people from having him in a lot of teams because they just don't like Aaron Woods. So, that's going to happen. But one thing that I will dive into with you, I don't have him in my side at the moment, but I've given a real hard thought to, to throwing him in. One, because of the pod factor, but also just dissecting what you said as far as, you know, he's not at the Roosters anymore. Looking at the Knights lineup, I kind of see that as maybe a good thing. I think that um, his 2016 season of 66 points was much more along the lines of what he should have been doing. And I actually thought that he could have gotten up to closer to a 70 average, um, like a JT, you know, mini JT type of player for the 17 season. And he, he disappointed. I think some of that was he needed a change of scenery now. So I think he's going to be pretty reinvigorated. The other thing with the Roosters is, yeah, they're a good side and they were scoring points, but he had a lot of other... Go- he had a structure that he, he really had to fit into there that at times he might have been a little bit at odds with Robinson on. And he's always had another reasonably dominant playmaker there, whether that's been James Maloney or even Keary that have sort of he's had to share with. I sort of look at this Newcastle side, and one of the things that makes Pierce a bit appealing is it's undoubtedly his team. And, you know, they've got a hooker who's going to be a, a robot passing left or right to whenever Pierce calls it and doing nothing else, which is something that Jake Friend kind of stuffed him up on a few times. Jake Friend would sometimes overcall Pierce, would sometimes put his own kicks in, would sometimes run and make some not poor decisions, but decisions for himself at times and overcall Pierce. That's not going to happen now. Connor Watson is a really good complementary player for him in the sixth jersey because Watson is the sort of player who's going to run the football and he's very much a runner. Like the guy wanted to play fullback. He's a runner of the football. He's not going to be a guy that's going to organise anything or be a big playmaker, even though he's a great player. And then Kalen Ponga's, you know, what, a 19-year-old kid um, playing fullback for the first time. You know, Pierce is going to get the ball whenever he wants. He's got a lot of attacking weapons around him at the Knights now. And he's also got a lot of decent combinations with people that he used to play with, like Sean Kenny Dow and uh, Aidan Guerra as well. You know, and and obviously Watson, he's played with a bit too. So I'm actually pretty excited. I think that he could um, he could surprise all of us and come out better than what he was at the Roosters, at least for this year, while it's sort of all all fresh. Do you think that I'm completely crazy on the Pierce train here? Or I think you made a good point about uh, friend versus. Levi or whoever it is over at um over at Newey. I mean it's definitely a took graveyard up there, but it's not like they've uh, recruited poorly. They've got some good guys there. Uh, look, I I think he can probably he can probably average exactly what he did at the Chooks, but yeah, not the type of price I want to pay to find out. But I um I'll see your point, mate. Yep. Well I'll I'll finish off on Pierce by saying I think that he is probably the best pod half for someone to start with because he's going to be so low-owned and have the potential to be as good as um, almost anyone. Um, you've got your top couple of halves that are probably going to be right up there. Um, but then after you go past your top two or three guys, you know, Pierce could be good. So for someone, I think he's going to be most relevant for it. If someone is intent on stacking their halves and wants to have four-gun halves or even three-gun halves, Pierce as your third or fourth half, I think, is is definitely the way to go if you're going to do that. I myself have gone for the two gun halves and two cheapy to mid-range halves, and I don't see myself changing that because that's just the structure of side I wanted to go for, and that's why I couldn't yeah, fit Pierce in. I've got three big halves. Pierce isn't one of them, but, yeah, I can, it's definitely a good strategy. Yep. All right, so Pierce is for the brave. We'll move on. I'm going to throw a bit of a left field one out here. My, my big balls pod, I mean, this could be my rooster's bias, so that's fine. You can call me up on it and hassle me, but my big ball pod is actually uh, Sean Kenny Dow. And I'll give you a couple of stats, and then I'll let you tell me why I'm, why I'm crazy. He... I don't think you're crazy. I know the stats you're going to rattle off. That's <laughs> the wrong team for it, but keep going. All right. Well, no, no, you go. You're, you're, you're the better stats man than what I am. Go for it. Tell me. Tell I, I, haven't got, I haven't got them in front of me, but you were going to refer to his um, tackle-busting ability, weren't you? Yeah, well, I was going to refer to... Well, yeah, I mean, his, his tackle-bust and work rate has always been... Some of the good things, obviously his errors are the bad things because he has some real bad brain snaps at times. 
But his 2017 season, he only averaged 41 points. So he's priced at only 366000 And you know, when you're comparing that type of uh, mid-300s price of Sean Kenny Dow to somebody like you know, Brett Morris that we were talking about, SKD's got so much better upside. You know, he, he has never been a guy that set the world on fire. He 16, 15, 14, he was a 52, 54, 52 average. He's been a low to mid-50s average his whole career. But he's only priced at 41 points. And part of that was because he had a lot of um, his personal issues and everything that were well publicised with the falling out of the Roosters. And he also had that going on hangover from the year before as well. And then he moved across to the Knights. And he was very... um, a little bit, uh, I think his confidence was rattled going over to the Knights. I think it took him a bit of time to feel comfortable there, so he's a bit standoffish. So, yeah, 41 were average. His, were his stats down at the Roosters, or were they down when he moved over to the Knights? The reason I ask is I'm just wondering if the uh, Tupu factor was a thing, him being uh, seven foot nine tall, and Kiri or, Kiri or what's his name, Pierce chipping over the top of him, just completely cutting him out and using Tupu's height. Maybe he got less ball through the through just through the hands. Uh, well, he's uh, he's played he's played with Tupo for years. So, but he he was bad at the Roosters and the Knights. Really, to be honest, he was sort of he was he was consistently below where he should have been all year. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, look at forty one average. Could you see some value there for him to maybe get to the low fifties again? Oh yeah. Average fifty all his career. He's not going to average forty one again. Well, you, oh, sorry, he, you would not think he would average forty one <laughs> again. I've thought many things in the past though, and I still haven't finished in the top ten. So don't take my word for it. But um, yeah, look, if you want a pod, he's absolutely an option. Priced at forty one, you wouldn't buy. I don't think you would buy him because you think he's going to get to a fifty. Though I would only buy him if you think he's going to get to a fifty seven, fifty eight plus. Yeah, and it's it's one of the things as well where it's a little bit hard. I'll go through a few pros for him though and then a few cons that I kind of wrote up because I actually put him in my side at one point and one of the pros for that was basically how I built my side. I had a I had a centre wing position available where I needed to spend some coin on it and I wanted to spend some coin and I looked at everyone between say 300,000 and 400,000 and it's just a graveyard. Like centre wing in that price point of 300 to 400k there's hardly anything there what, that's decent. What's what, what's Orbison price at? Because if he's going to play twelve and going to get decent minutes, he's got a high floor. And with that draw and and pit and um, him sitting next to Cronk, I'd be more inclined to get a go with a high floor like him available at centre three quarter in that price range. Orbison's just outside that price range, mate. He's he's uh, just okay. under four hundred seventeen k. All right. Yeah. So um, I like the out of the box thinking there. But um, yeah, and Orbo was also under massive danger to be giving minutes away to um, a Madison, Madison. Yeah. or even one of the how other good, guys. How good, how good would that be? Oh, mate, if Madison could get into that starting side. As a Roosters fan, I'd be happy, but also as a um, Supercoach fan, I'd be elated. But then again, everyone will probably have him in their side if that happens. But yeah, it's oh, a, yeah. It's, it's going to be... Same with our Jerbo kicking goals. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, sh- I'm sure somebody just did that just to get a laugh. But um, yeah, so back to SKD though. There isn't much between that 300 to 400k range, which is why I ended up putting him in. I also, looking at the... He does play round 13, so he is there for that first buy. So that's, you know, it's not as big a deal now with only the couple of buyers to worry about. But, you know, he is still playing it, so you can sort of lock him in and have him there for it. And I did sort of think that he would potentially get to the mid-50s. I guess what you brought up is a big con, though, and that is, you know, put him in your side if you think that he's going to get to, you know, a 57, 58 average. And even though I'm a big SKD fan, I don't think that he will. Um, I don't think that he's got that type of upside in him. And the other con as well with him is he is a rocks or diamonds type of bloke. He's going to have some big games, but he's going to have some not so good games as well because his base has gone down quite a bit the last couple of years. So how many how many games do the Knights play on Sunday at home? On Sunday at home. Um, yeah, um, only asking that. Just every if you ever listen to Joey John's talk, he will tell you. Um, Never ever bet against the Knights when they're playing on Sunday. Are they footy? It's their bread and butter. The whole town turns out. And if they're trying to impress with a with a new team and a new talent that they've got, if they've got two or three home games on 
on maybe a Saturday or, or, or a Sunday, but might not be the worst bloke in the world to get. But definitely on a Sunday. Go and have a look at the stats. That's a good point, but I'm going to shit all over it straight away and say that the Knights don't play at home hardly at all the first two months. So one of the drawbacks with their draw. Yep, they... Move on. <laughs> oh, it is a good start. It just doesn't translate for 2018. But the draw, the first two months of the season, the first eight weeks, they've only got two out of eight that are actually going to be at home. So that's not... Um, the kick in the teeth, isn't it? Uh, it's not it's fantastic. Not so excited and fans don't get to watch them. Oh, well, maybe the NRL said, let's um, let's give them a finished product when they're, they're gelling after two months and they're firing them in the top eight. So, yeah, yeah. Glass, glass half full, mate, glass half full. I will. I'll finish off on um, on SKD just by saying, looking at the draw with you, I didn't really think about this until I was just talking to you about it. I've kind of figured out where I think he's going to be value now for me, and I'm considering it now. Round seven. Round seven trade in. Um, downgrade someone who's made some money for me to a round seven trade in to SKD. He's coming off games against the Broncos and the Storm. Round seven brings him into a West Tigers matchup which he might absolutely carve up there. And then, so West Tigers, Manly, Souths, Penrith, Gold Coast, Sharks, and then he plays the round 13 by. That's if not... That's the draw from round seven. That's when I'm getting Fitzgibbon or Barnett if he ever moves to an edge. Yeah, well, I mean, that's interesting. Let's um, let's talk about that because I've I've got those guys down... I basically got the Knights back row down as a complete question mark. Potential error, potential goldmine. I've really got no idea. Oh, for me, it's going to be a bit of an error in starting with any of those guys because I just think that there's so much there and there's too much of an unknown. So at the moment, the projected back row is going to be Jamie Bura and Aidan Guerra and Barnett at lock. So you know, that's a pretty solid back three, but... On some I, don't, other... I don't know Fitzy, the, that, that young workhorse on the left-hand side, probably, I'd have Barnett on the right-hand side, but they won't do it. They'll probably leave him at lock and then probably Bura. I have seen some other some other sites also have different makeups of the side where they've had um, even Guerra on the bench. I don't think that'll happen, yeah. though. They're paying Guerra quite a bit of money. and he's Really? Yeah, they, they didn't pay him. They didn't pay cheap, mate. He was he was on big money at the Roosters, and you know they won't go near him. You got to is he maybe is he maybe getting three the coin from Knights and partial uh, partial payout from the Chooks? No, no, he was off contract, so we we were oh, never right. we were never going to pay him. We started shopping him a year early or two years early because he was already getting paid overs with us. We were paying him too much money. It was a lot to come off our cap, but um, he went over to the Knights as a state of origin player as well, you've got to remember. And a lot of people forget about that stuff. But as an origin player, they've got like the, the flaws on what you can pay those guys. They have to be getting paid pretty well or the NRL won't register the contract. So he's, he's, a, he's a representative player as, as much as he's over the hill and he's gotten real bad the last couple of years compared to what he was. Okay, well, you know by that it's going to play. That's, that's a given. Maybe that gives an option for Fitz or um, Bureau to start on the bench, lose a bit of coin and then... And then be a bit of a pickup later on. Be interesting to see what they, what coach ends up ends up going with. Yeah, it really will be. I'm pretty intrigued by that Knights back row. I mean, I I've, I really loved Barnett for portions of the year, the last couple of years. Really, um, he's looked really good. Have you even thought about him potentially? If he moved to an edge, he'd be straight in my team, but just not in the middle. I want him at 80 minutes on the edge. The guy's an absolute beast. He's the same as Krypton. Yep, uh, I agree. I, th- I think it's a watch watch and see for that whole back row. And I think it might be a mistake to put any of them in early. I've seen Bura kicking around a few sides here and there um, with people asking about him. Um, I mean, Bura, he's just perennially injured. And that's the other thing that might open up minutes for some of those other guys. Um, Bura's always hurt. But when he did, when he has been playing at the Knights, he actually did pretty well. He put up some good numbers and stuff. But, I mean, he only played, what, look at these games. like 16 games, 15 games, 7 games over the last three seasons. And he's still priced at four hundred eighty-seven thousand because he averaged fifty-five in twenty seventeen. So between him and Gal, mate, they could go to one therapist and keep the guy employed for a year. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that the, I, I, my recommendation is going to be probably just to steer clear of that Knights back row to start with. Um, yep, can go. All right, so let's have a talk about a young up-and-comer with a bit of potential, Kalen Ponga. 
He's come across from the Cowboys. He's going to be the starting fullback. I know there's been a bit of conjecture about, mainly because Lamb was there and people were talking about Watson and Ponga and them moving out of the 6-1 and one jerseys and stuff into other positions and whatever. Brown's come out and said, you know, Watson's got that 6 jersey and Ponga's got that 1 jersey. They're going to get a real fair crack at those jerseys. They're theirs for now to start with. So, you know, it, they're going to both have to be pretty bad to lose their spots. And, I mean, Ponga at the moment is penciled into kick. So you've got a goal-kicking fullback who looked really good as a, you know, teenager still last year in his limited games for the Cowboys. Um, averaged, I believe, 53 from memory. And now he's going into a um, an exciting young team in the Knights. Is he in your side at the moment? Nope. 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 Are you thinking about it? I'm crying over it because I can't fit him in. Oh, so you've got the old uh, double gun fullback of, of Teddy and Turbo, don't you? Nope. Not touching turbo. He's either priced at his average or slightly over. I, I don't pay overs, mate, apart from uh, unless the guy is slightly unders or I think he's going to have a good draw and go a little bit sort of silly and I just don't take his average into account. No, I've, I'm just going really, really solid, solid 5, 8 and 7 and with the number of cheapies available, I just can't fit Ponga and Watson and Croker in the team. So I've gone the two real cheap ones, Croker and Watson, for cash-making potential. Ponga, I think, has 47 average, I think, with his tackle-busting um, scores and his try-ability. Um, try Look, I, I think he's a really good guy to get into your team, but it was either Ponga or um, Teddy for me, and I think I know which one I want to go with. Yeah, I, I think Teddy's about as close as a must to start with as... Um as anyone can be. I don't even think anyone's 100% must ever, unless there's a rookie price guy that's going to play 80 minutes or something, but yeah. I could I could get Ponga in if I cut um, Rapana or cut you know, a, a decent-sized gun, but I'm just not willing to do that. All right. Well, this is good. We're going to disagree on this one a little bit. Well, only because of my team makeup, but you know, it makes for good listening. I've got Ponga in at the moment, and I actually didn't initially. And when I heard, when I sort of got confirmation about the goal kicking. I made room to put him in. And yep. how I did that, I had I had Cartwright in at reserve number six. And I had Watson at reserve fullback. I moved Cartwright to back row, uh, Connor Watson to 5'8", and plugged in Kalen Ponga to go alongside Teddy as my reserve fullback. And I initially was... Um, the reasons why I was standoffish with Ponga a little bit, he... Um, He's he's okay priced, 420k basically, but he's not hugely cheap. So it did take a little bit of finagling in my team to get that extra money to to be able to afford him. I believe I actually had to take a hit with um with Cordner. I think I'd stacked my back row, which is still pretty stacked, and I down downgraded Cordner to Fatala Mariner and put Ponger into fullback, um, and then used the money elsewhere as well for the extras. So. I'm um I agree. I'm going uh, top heavy, so yeah, gun heavy and and uh, rookie price guys. So that's the only way I can get a lot of the guys in that I've talked about. So I had to make some sacrifices, but in order to get Ponger in, like I might do that down the track if someone like Arrow is a no show, I'd sack him and upgrade Watson to Ponger. But for now, I've just got to go to even spread and sacrifices have to be made from time to time. So a guy priced at 47, I kind of figured I'd you know, just get rid of him for now. Yep. I just double-checked for you, though. He is, he's actually priced at 53, according to Supercoach stats. Oh, is he? Okay. Yep. So there's not many stats to talk about, but let's. Um, I'll do a bit of a stats projection, though, because I was having a bit of a look at it. He's probably got 10 points a game average just in his goal-kicking that's going to get thrown onto his average. Um, and on top of that as well, he was sort of he was in and out of the t- team a little bit with um the Cowboys and played some wing I believe with the Cowboys as well and on top of that I think it was pretty evident from when JT went down Cows had a lot of games where they kind of struggled for points a little bit and they ran off the back of you know Tom Lolo running through the middle making heaps of meters and stuff and um, grinded a fair few teams out as well at times so. You'd think that playing fullback and starting at fullback and also having a year of NRL under his belt, four to five points extra on top of his average, just in his general play, should be there at fullback. And then if he's got an extra 10 points a game on average, 
on his goal-kicking ability. Then you've got 15 points there. I mean, the guy sort of projects to be mid-60s to late-60s type of average. Oh, yeah, absolutely. His tackle-busting ability alone, like, he just has one of those... He has a great step, and that fend is just really good. So even though he's not, you know, 100, 110 kilos, you you still back him to move around, and without tries, he's still going to get those um, those hit up and feet points from moving around. The only only question I do have for you is looking at the looking at the stats in front of you. Did he play all these games at fullback for the Cowboys, or, or was there one, maybe two, on the wing? I don't have the positional stats in front of me, but I can tell you 100 percent he played some games on the wing because okay. yeah, so he, moving, moving the fullback is probably gets more ball as well. Yeah, and he is. Um, he is probably going to have maybe more of a playmaking role. I only say that because, again, I really lean on the fact that Connor Watson isn't a guy who's going to be a dominant playmaker, I think, and they don't have a nine who's going to play with the ball at all. So I kind of think that they're going to lean on Ponga to help out. Him and Watson are going to help out Mitchell Pierce, um, and also the one year under his belt as well. I think he's going to have a bit of confidence. And he is a guy that can definitely develop into a bit of a, a playmaker as well. So, um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm excited yeah. for him. Wasn't he, wasn't he injured one game last year and played best 80 minutes? Yeah, he did. Um, so he was take that score out, what's the average then? What does that come to? Let's have a look. All right, so, yeah, taking out um, that injury game, he actually averaged 61. So that's, um, that's a good Ooh. indication. Yeah. What about that? I did just see as well that he um he only had the one game as wing. I'm pretty sure he switched on a second game to wing as well. Um, and he's only got like seven games last year. Yeah, that last game was a score of one when he got injured. So take that one out, and yeah, it goes to sixty-one point something or other with one or two tries. Yeah, and I don't want to get too excited on him because he's just a young kid and he's going to a new system away from home and all that other stuff. But um, Cowboys too. Yeah, but I mean, the thing as well is like. If you just look at the raw numbers, he's got the ability to, to even hit like 70s and be a gun. And he reminds me a little bit, not necessarily playing style, but you know when Tommy Turbo was coming through and people were saying, oh, this kid's going to be a gun. He's got the potential to be massive in Supercar. Yeah, might have to, uh, might have to neck uh, and Watson <laughs> put him in. You there, mate? I can't hear you. Um, yeah, look, I, I really think that he's... I, I wasn't as big on him initially. But when I looked at the numbers and stuff and seeing him actually play and putting it with the eye test, oh, I think you've got to fit him in, hey? I, I, you know, anyone out there probably needs to. But the fact that there's so many guys that are running that dual gun fullback of Turbo and Teddy, and I agree, I'm nowhere near Turbo. Like, he's priced at his full, full ceiling. I'm not paying that for him for round one. Uh, but because there is those guys that are doing that, he shouldn't be as um, highly owned as what, you, what he should be based on his ability and his upside. And that's probably one of the good byproducts of the dual positions being taken down a fair bit. If he was available in centre wing, he'd probably be in 90% of teams. But at fullback, you know, he's he's not going to be owned as much as what he probably should be. So have I convinced you yeah. yet? Yeah, I <laughs> forgot about that one game. I uh, I read that article where um, Coach put raps on um, RR as well and said he's up. He's, yeah, absolutely ripping in. He's absolutely going to be in his team. He does not have to worry about um, uh, Cardi having an impact on, on his inclusion in the squad, but uh, nowhere in that uh, article does he mention anyway, him being in there for 13. He just said the team, so... Yeah, and he uh, also didn't but, say yeah what his minutes were going to be or anything like that. You know, like he, the guy could yeah, be playing so 40 or 50 minutes. Yeah, so if Arrow's going back to the bench, then he's the first one I'll cut and I'll probably up Watson to a Ponga off that. But we'll have a look at the trials and see what happens in the next couple of weeks. Yep, I think that's a good move. Sometimes you just have to go with the crowd for a reason. Yep. Once you, when you start getting too clever, that's when you fall behind. Yeah, I think we were mentioning that the last pod was saying, you know, you, you can you have a few good pods in your team, but um, if you've got 20 pods in your team, you're probably going to be in trouble. Yeah, they're pods for a reason. One or two or three or four you can find, but you find 17. <laughs> yeah, good yeah. luck. Was there anyone else in the Knights team that you sort of had your eye on or you wanted to um, highlight? No, mate. Brownie found them all. Good luck to them. <laughs> all right. Thanks very much, Billy. We'll uh, look forward to part four of the pod where we'll uh, dive deep into a couple of other guys. Everyone out there, thanks for listening. Spread the word. Download it. Tell your friends. And we'll see you for part four. We'll dive into another couple of teams. Thanks, guys. Yeah.